Hey, y'all. Welcome to another episode of Cowboying with the Cowboys of Dixie. Today, we have Miss Courtney, who's the fancy lady cowgirl, who I was actually, she's actually the host of the very first podcast I've ever been on. And now we have her over here. So, Courtney, introduce yourself to my few listeners that don't know who you are already. <laughs> hey, yeah. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Um, yeah, as you mentioned, I have a podcast. Uh, you were a big hit. Everyone loves your episode. And I think that we're all, as in my audience, we're just so excited to start listening to your podcast. So uh, it's going to be great. Um, yeah, some people know me as the Fancy Lady Cowgirl. You know, I started this brand called Fancy Lady Cowgirl, which really just was a hashtag on social media that turned into this like global, I don't know, a, a lot of my followers called a movement. I guess that's a good way to describe it. <laughs> Um, so the Fancy Lady Cowgirl movement, if you will. But yeah, just um, grew up on a ranch in Kansas, went to college on a rodeo scholarship, just like agriculture, you know, through and through, and then got into college and turned at a TV station and really fell in love with television. And so that was sort of the career path that I chose and have worked in television and entertainment for I don't know. I say a different number every time. It's been at least a decade. I've been in TV for over a decade, which both ages me and makes me feel very important because I'm like, oh, I'm so experienced. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I've been working in TV. I am still a television host. I am an independent contractor. So I get to sort of pick and choose who I work for and with, which I love because for many, many years, for 10 years, you know, I I just did the the grind of going from network to network and you know station to station and everyone you know it, it just I decided at a certain point that it wasn't for me I didn't want to be censored by the networks anymore and I wanted to sort of pursue the cowgirl side of me and I wanted to tell cool stories and so as an independent contractor I kind of get to pick and choose who I work for and I also travel all over the country as a keynote speaker so all the things the million dollar question is. What do you actually do? I'm like, I do all the things. <laughs> Everything. And so you just said something that I didn't know about you. So you went to college on a rodeo scholarship. What, what, what event did you do? Yeah, so I went to Oklahoma State. I ran barrels and tied goats is what I did in high school. So those were like my two main events coming into college. And then in college at the age of, you know, like 22, I decided that I was going to learn to breakaway rope. So I'm entering, you know, college rodeos and ropens and pro rodeos with girls who have literally had a rope in their hands since they were, you know, two years old. But I also learned to rope in college and fell in love with it just because it was something different and it was a new challenge. So yeah, I ran barrels, tied goats, roped. And uh, if I'm being very honest, I went to Oklahoma State to rodeo, but also had to get an education. My major was actually agricultural communications, which I did solely because another girl that I rodeoed with had done it the year before. And she's like, oh, it's, it's an easy curriculum. Like you'll be great at it. And I was like, perfect. This will give me plenty of time to rodeo. And then yeah. stumbled into TV and here we are. Yeah. So my question is, how does uh, a Kansas cowgirl grew up on a ranch, went to school on a rodeo scholarship? How does she end up in television? Oh, my gosh. It has been like this wild, insane journey. So it really started, you know, I guess I could take it back even further. In high school, I took a class my senior year, the like, um, 
I don't know what, if it was a yearbook or like, I took a media class. And as part of that media class, we had to have like one big project that we worked on throughout the year. And so I learned to like shoot and edit and edit with in Final Cut Pro, which is like, I still edit, like I edit my TikToks in Final Cut Pro because I can't figure <laughs> out how to use TikTok. So I'm like using Final Cut, which is built to like edit major motion pictures. Yeah. I edit my TikToks in it. Um, but in that class in high school, my year end project was I decided I was going to make a senior video for Kansas high school rodeo. And so I would take my mom's little like little, you can't see me, I guess as a podcast, the little bitty camera, you know, with the little like disc. And I would just shoot at all the rodeos when I wasn't like competing. And I made this year end video. And I guess that's really where the like beginning of my shooting and editing started. And then in college, just by chance, um, one of my intro to like ag communication classes toured a TV station in Stillwater, uh, a show called Oklahoma Horizon. And I needed an internship. You have to have internship hours at OSU, I think like many colleges to graduate. And so I thought this TV station was really cool. And I was like, I'm into shooting and editing. And like, also I'm gonna, my face is perfect for TV. You know, being young and naive, I thought that's all it was <laughs> TV. I was like, oh, I'll be great for this. Uh, and so I got an internship at that TV station and it was such a blessing because the executive producer, Rob McClendon at that show, he was really adamant about me learning to do everything. I didn't want to be a graphics person. And he'd be like, Hey, you're doing all the graphics for this week's show. And I'm like, nah, I'm not, I don't really want to do this. He's <laughs> like, no, this is an internship. You're going to learn to do graphics. You're going to shoot and edit. Eventually it got to the point where he was like, Hey, I'm going to have you write the show for the week. You know, this 30 minute sort of magazine style show. And I was like, great. This will be an awesome experience. And in my mind, I thought he meant you and I are going to work together and write the show. And he like straight up, I would go into his office to ask questions and he'd be like, you're the producer, figure it out. And oh, wow. you know, it was just such a blessing because it taught me all these different aspects of TV. So it really started in Stillwater. And I worked at that little TV station all through college after my internship, like four weeks was over or whatever, my key card kept working. And so I could still get in the door. And so when people really ask the question, how did you get started? How'd you get your big break? I'm like, I just kept showing up. My key card kept working. So I just kept going. And eventually they hired me. I worked there all through college and then immediately got hired um, right out of college. Uh, my first gig was in Nashville, Tennessee for a, a national cable network. So that's sort of the short and sweet version of how I stumbled into my TV career. Mm -hmm. So then as far as, as far as your TV career, you get out of, so you're, you're doing rodeos, you're getting into breakaway, breakaway roping. And so all of your life is, is surrounded around the Western industry. Everything is pointing towards you going back to your family's ranch and having, helping your papa and, mm -hmm. and everything. So then how does, whenever you decided to go to TV, how was it hard for you to do it? Was it because it was so new to you? Because I, I, I'd imagine that it's nothing like the rodeo scene of things or the cowboy scene of things. So how was it adapting to that life? Yeah, that's a very good question. The television and entertainment industry, the people within it are very different than what we're used to in the Western industry. You know, we're sort of raised and brought up a handshake means something. You look people in the eye, you respect people, you hold doors for people. TV and entertainment, there's not a whole lot of that going on um, because it's an incredibly competitive industry to begin with. It's quite frankly, can be pretty volatile behind the scenes. You're working in incredibly long hours. 
you know, it's, it's a tough industry to sort of get ahead in. Uh, my first job out of college was actually, I was covering Western sports and sort of Western news. So I still was sort of in that agricultural like realm. Um, I lasted at that job a year and I quit because I hated it. And one of the things that happened at that first job, I started to learn that in TV, I can't just call up New York or LA or Dallas and say, hey, like, here's my resume. I'm looking for a job. You have to have agents and your agents mm -hmm. primarily are the ones they represent you. They pitch you to the stations, to the networks. Most, you know, when you get to sort of the level that I am at at this point, they won't even, I can email them directly and it goes straight to their trash, you know, but if my mm -hmm. agent emails them, they're a lot more apt to look at the demo or whatever it is. And so I didn't have an agent at the time, you know, starting out. And so I thought, I, I probably need to get an agent if I need to, you know, to find the next job. And, and one of the things that these big dogs, they didn't want to represent me. I didn't have nearly enough experience. I mean, nobody, but they would occasionally, a few of them would take a phone call. And one, one of the things that they kept saying, because I'm showing them my tape and I'm covering Western sports and I'm wearing a cowboy hat and, you know, I'm young and I'm super green, but I was, there was talent there, which is what they yeah. would tell me. Yeah, you got a little bit of talent, <laughs> but, but what they kept reiterating is, but the cowboy hat and, and like the rodeo, like if that's what you want to do, great, then you need to go do that. But if you want to make it big time, like if you want to be with the, if you want to hang with the big kids in New York and LA and these top markets in the country, you got to get rid of that. You have to sort of lose that cowgirl persona. And my dream had always been to someday work in New York City, you know, to work in, in the number one market in the country. And so being young and naive, I believed him. And so that's really a big part of my story is that for 10 years, I worked in hard news. I worked in lifestyle and entertainment. So like red carpets, press junkets, you know, you name it. But I really had no involvement in the agriculture industry or the Western industry uh, from a television standpoint, you know, career-wise, the people that I was going to work with every day, they knew that I'd like come from Kansas, but they had no idea that I like went to school to rodeo and that my family yeah. was made up of ranchers. And, you know, so I hid that part of me um, for a long time. And yeah, as far as the, the transition, you learn very quickly. Um, you get everything in writing and TV, every you live, you, you ride and die on contracts. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, it's uh, yeah, it's a very different mentality. And, and I got to work with a lot of really good people and I got to work with a lot of really terrible people, but I learned a lot from, from both the good and the bad. And, and so my question to that is because I followed you since, since uh, we found each other about a week ago and the you I know is the cowboy hat, is the cowboy boots. So obviously whatever they were telling you back then didn't didn't stop you so how did you end up just overcoming that part and still being pretty successful within it without giving away everything they told you to give away yeah you know it was hard because like i said for 10 years i just went from station to station to network to network from agent to agent and uh and really just 
was the fancy TV host. You know, I didn't really share the cowgirl side of me. You followed me five years ago. There wouldn't have been a single photo on social media of me in a cowboy hat. Like I wouldn't have been dead, caught dead in a cowboy hat. And I look back and I think, you know, naivety on my part, but also I was just trying to fit in, right? I, I wanted to be successful in television. And so I was trying to fit in with the people that I was seeing on TV. I wanted to work at a mainstream level. And I wasn't seeing anybody on mainstream television in a cowboy hat. Now it's starting to shift. It's starting to change. We see groups like the PBR and the WCRA on CBS, and you're starting to see some of this transition. But, you know, 10 years ago, there, there was no cowboy hats and there were no cowboys or cowgirls on mainstream television. And that had always been my goal. If I was going to be the cowgirl, I wanted to be the cowgirl, but on a mainstream level. And so it took a really long time to sort of overcome that. And I think it's like with anything, the older you get, the more comfortable you get in your own skin and like the less you worry about what other people think. And I sort of just got to the to the point, it's been about five, four years now ago, I was working in Dallas for a syndicated morning news show. And there were some wildfires that were sort of ripping across parts of the Midwest and the mainstream media wasn't talking about it. And this had been going on for several days. And I pitched the story actually to my executive producer at the time. And I sort of set it up and I said, look, nobody in the country is talking about this. And we could break, you know, we could be the the network that covers this story. And she totally blew it off. I mean, she, <laughs> she essentially stood up and she said, hey, I got your story pitch. And she said, need I remind you, this is a real news network. Don't bring me your little cowgirl problems. And that was a total turning point for me. Cause I was like, oh no, like, no, we're going to, these are stories worth telling. And I told the story on my like little Facebook page. I didn't have a lot of followers at the time, but I edited a story together after work and I posted it to my Facebook and in one night it had over a million and a half views. And oh, wow. that was like a wake up call for me. Cause I was like, wait a minute, all like these guys in New York and LA, they're like, oh, cowgirls are stupid. Nobody cares. It's too niche. Like you're never going to be successful. And then I see the kind of reaction that this story had. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, this wasn't viewed a, a million and a half times by just agriculture people. Like people are interested in what's happening. They're interested in who, knowing who their farmers and ranchers are. They're interested in knowing where their food's coming from and the challenges, um, you know, that these producers are facing. And uh, and so that was just like a total, I just like did a 180, like total turning point. I was still working at this morning news show, you know, hair, makeup, full, you wouldn't know I was a cowgirl from mm -hmm. whatever, if you saw me walking down the street, but I started telling these agriculture stories on my social media and it just grew and grew and grew. And it started, uh, people started reaching out. Hey, would you come speak? Could you come? I'm like, sure, I guess. I don't know. Like, am I a speaker? I can be a TV host. Surely I can be a speaker. And so it just sort of grew from there. And then, you know, several years later, um, a turn of, you know, the story continues, Fancy Lady Cowgirl's born. It's just like this long evolution of craziness to get to this point. Yeah. So, so tell me if you remember, do you remember the very first time you showed up to the big timers with your cowboy hat and your boots on? One of the, I remember one of the very first times that I really was like, I'm going to fully embrace this because here's the thing. And it's so stupid. I should have realized this earlier, but uh, I was on a pretty long audition process. My agent had booked me an audition in Los Angeles with QVC, 
the home shopping network. Right. And I don't, I didn't really want to be on the home shopping network, but I was like, <laughs> I'll fly to LA and audition for this. And so I'm thinking to myself, okay, I've been telling these agriculture stories and I was still working at the, the TV station here in Dallas. They didn't know I was auditioning, but I, I'm like, okay, so there's going to be like 40 of us, right? I'm going to walk in. We're all going to look the same, you know, QVC probably, they probably had a type they were casting. And so I'm like, all right, so what am I going to do that's different? Well, as part of this first audition in LA, we had to bring a product to sell because it's a home shopping network. So I'm like, what am I going to sell? So the product that I sold was my cowboy hat. And I get there and everybody's got like their product and they're like practicing and like mm -hmm. everybody's selling a curling iron, everybody's selling makeup, everybody's selling a shirt, everybody's selling. And I, here I am just holding my cowboy hat. And I remember I, I walked into the room and I thought this is either going to be a colossal failure or they're going to love it. But regardless, they're going to remember me. And I just remember they were fascinated. Like when the audition was over, you know, I get done the sales pitch. I'm like, it's full, you know, it's hundred percent beaver. The water rolls right off. And they were just like, this is the coolest. And I remember, you know, there's like five or six, I don't know if they were casting directors or QVC people or whoever in the room. And after the time is up for the audition, they just kept asking questions. They're like, now, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is that like actually your hat? Do you wear that? Do you have a horse? <laughs> wait, 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 wait. And so that's the first that, question. Do you yeah. have a horse? Everyone asks that question. <laughs> right. And it was like the first time, cause here I am in Los Angeles, entertainment capital of the world. And I like storm in and I'm, I'm not dressed cowgirl. I'm dressed like any QB, QBC host would be. And then I'm selling a cowboy hat. Well, I guarantee you, I didn't get the QVC job, but I guarantee you they remembered it. And I just remember that was like the first time that I was just like, screw this. Like if they think it's stupid, it's not the job for me, you know? And, yeah. and that's sort of been my mindset at this point in my career. I'm like, you know what? If, they, if I don't get a hosting job or if my agent doesn't want to pitch me to certain projects because I'm wearing a cowboy hat, it's not the job for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and it's funny. I was just talking to Jenna Paulette earlier about about uh, about jobs, about taking taking certain jobs and turning down certain jobs. But it's funny that about that because um like I like this. So tomorrow I'll be flying up to Dallas because like two days ago or, or yesterday, a um vodka company, a pretty big vodka com company, reached out and asked me to come in. They they were like, hey, we, we need a black cowboy for our commercial. Um, can we get you to Dallas this weekend? And so I told them, yeah. And then they were like, all right, can you hop on Zoom with us really quick just to do like a, like just so we can go over things and everything. And when we got on Zoom, they, everything was sounding good. And then we got on Zoom and they were like, okay, can you show like, can you like put the camera back? And I was like, okay. So I put it back so they could full body. And then it was like, can you do a two-step for us? And, and, <laughs> and then they were like, do you wear chains? Like, do you wear goat chains? And they were asking me all these questions. And I was like, what? Yeah. And so as I'm at, and so at that point, I just started like giving them all the no's. Like, I'm like, no, I'm not about to do a two-step. I don't dance. No, I don't wear chains. Like this is how I dress. I was like, are you guys inside? So just asked them like, are y'all looking for a, a cowboy or, or a little, not a little Nas. And so, <laughs> and so I just, I just, I told them like, I'm, I'm not. And then they were like, how country are you? And I was like, I'm not, I was like, I wouldn't say I'm country. I would say I'm cowboys country and cow every country boy and cowboy and every cowboy and country and a country boy. And so, and so 
but they were asking me about a two-step and I was just telling them no to everything during audition. Like everything they asked me to do, I'm like, no, no, <laughs> no. And so I hang up and so they were like, okay, well, that's fine. Um, well, can you show us some cowboy stuff? And I was in the, in, in the hotel room and I'm like, like, what can I show y'all? And I was like, I don't understand what you mean. And so it was funny because I was just like standing on my ground the entire time. Like, you're not about to make me like, you're not about to portray the black cowboy is like this, this, this uh, little Nas or this like just show, <laughs> like showy person. And so it's funny because I literally like hung up and I was like, yeah, I didn't get that gig. Like it's, it's no way. And then they, they ended up reaching out and telling me how much they appreciated me telling them no. And they were like, we really, really loved how you told us like, you aren't like, like you aren't a country boy, you're a cowboy and, and explain to us the difference and explain to us this. So now they want me to come up and do like an actual cowboy scene uh, for them. It. And so, but it just made me think about like how you were just saying, like, just like showing up and whether you, whether like just, just staying true to who you are during, during auditions, not taking jobs just because yeah. of who the company is or, or whatever. And so that that was a that was a big thing i was just telling uh waylon about it earlier waylon lucas and she was just laughing at it like she was like she was like you would think because she also was from television and she's like you would think that they would be like oh no let's let's get him out of there and you would think and then you hang up and they call back like hey like we love you we love you want to bring you up still and so it was a it was very interesting you know it is it's an interesting and and it's sort of it's it's like a it's a fine line because I don't want to say like, yeah, never take a job, you know, because like at the end of the day, mm-hmm. I, you know, some people have mouths to feed, they've got families, yeah. they've got responsibilities. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I have the luxury right now at this point in my life of being a little bit more flexible, but you know, it, it's tough. I, um, like a year and a half ago, my agent pitched me and I got at, flown to New York to, uh, audition and it's like a, they're not telling me who it is it's some big whatever I walk in it's mm-hmm. I know exactly who it is and it was a hard news show and I just was like mm-hmm. and I don't want to live in DC I don't want to cover politics I don't and I knew that it just I just knew it wasn't a fit and I mean it was like all the things you know there was decent money like TMZ followed the other host out we had to like sneak and it was just like this oh, wow. bizarre and I'm like okay yeah, like there's a certain element of this is that's cool, but I knew from the beginning that it wasn't a fit. And when I turned down the job, my agent was not happy and he threatened to drop me. And I was so like worked up and upset. And I remember I called my parents. My mom said to me, she said, you know what? If your agent wants to drop you because you don't want to take a job that you know is not a good fit, he isn't the right agent. And so it's like, it's sort of, it's one of those things. Sometimes you stand your ground like you and they love it. And then other times your agent's like, well, sayonara. And I'm like, okay, I'm sorry. I don't want this job. Yeah. And and I've seen that side of that side of the fence too, because I've, Mm -hmm. I've like, I work with a lot of brands like Wrangler, Stetson and all of them. And I've been trying to get like certain brands for a long, long time. Um, and it's it's just funny because I finally got the very like the I finally got the very first brand that I had been trying to get within the Western industry um, a couple of months ago. They finally like reached out to me because I'm real big. I I never reach out to anyone. Me either. I'm like, come <laughs> yeah. to me, Vogue yeah. magazine. Come to me. <laughs> yeah, I never ever reach out. I just I I put myself on their radar and I just mm-hmm. whatever they want to do at that point is is fine with me. But I never reach out. 
And so they, and so the brand finally reached out to me and I was just talking to, to, to Jenna about that. And uh, that's, that's what started our conversation. I was telling her, I was telling her about that, the brand that reached out to me. And as we were, when the brand reached out, they reached out as in, they were just trying to um, like pay me an exposure. And so they wanted me to do like a ton of work and a ton of work. Mm-hmm. And they were like, and we're yep. just, and, and, and you just do this. And when I turned it down, I was like, I was surprised. I was surprised that I turned, that I turned down the, but, but yeah, when I turned it, when I turned down that, that gig, it was like, like I was sitting there like, man, like, I can't believe I just turned it down. I've been like trying to get them to reach out for like the longest, but it's, it's just standing your ground and understanding that if it's not a fit for you, taking it will end up hurting, hurting what you're trying to do way more than helping because you won't end up doing your best. And then if another brand that you want to work with sees it, it, it's just not going to like, they're going to start seeing sloppy work or yeah and, and things like that. And so, and that's, you know, that's one thing that I'm really, really like strict about for myself because brands, brands in general, but I feel like brands specifically maybe in the Western industry, I haven't, okay, full disclosure. I haven't worked with a lot of brands in the Western industry. They do not reach out to me. Um, and I don't know if I'm too avant-garde, if I'm not cowgirl enough, and that's fine because my mm-hmm. brand is what it is and it is, you know, but I think um, these brands, you know, and I'll have people come to me, hey, we want to do a photo shoot with you. Would you fly to such and such and you'll get to use all the photos? And I'm thinking, sure, what are you going to pay me? Because mm-hmm. I, I have a really um, strict policy with everything that I do. I do not work for free. I do not work for a free bag of chips and a swipe up code. Like that's just never, and that's, and not that that's a bad thing, but I've always worked really hard to, that's not my gig. I'm not trying to be an influencer. I am trying to be a personality and you pay me for using me, you know, my likeness. And, and maybe that is because I've worked in the television and entertainment industry. And like, you know, you don't use my face. You don't use my voice. You don't use anything unless I'm getting compensated for it. And I think Mm -hmm. in the Western industry, you know, it's everybody's so worried about growing their following and exposure and whatever. And it's to me, if I just say yes to everything, kind of like you, like you could have said, yes, you could have gone and done all of this work. But if we just say yes to everything, I think at the end of the day, the only person whose brand we're sort of lowering the credibility is our own. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And I agree 100% with that. And, and that's, and the funny thing is, is so a lot of brands reach out to me. I don't even know how they find me, but I I end up working with a, a lot of brands um, within the Western industry. And it's funny because I'll talk to, I'll be talking to someone else who worked with the same brand or, or someone else and, and they'll be, and, and they did it for free. And mm-hmm. the like brands never, never even come to me for, and, and the few that, that do come to me and be like, Oh, like, can we just do this? And we'll sing you this. And I just tell them like, I'll, I'm willing to do it, but I need to be compensated for it. And they instantly go, Oh, we might have this in the budget. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. And oh, so, yeah. and, and, and then if I say that's too low, they'll be like, okay, I think we can actually go higher on the budget for, for this or that, or for that. And so that's, and, and now when, whenever brands reach out, they always, they always compensate me. And, and that's because I tell them like, I, 
I have to take a lot of time, effort, and mm-hmm. and and energy to do this. And that was one thing that I had to learn because at the beginning, I was just uh, like shell shocked that these that certain brands wanted to work with me. That I was taking little to nothing. Yeah. For like for like if they said they'll send me a, some free clothes, I'm like, OK, like I'll, I'll do it with you. I'll, I'll work with you. Yeah. And then um, I don't know if you know Ivan eight seconds, um, mm-hmm. he's eight seconds photography. So, he, yeah. And so Ivan, Ivan, um, he so Stetson sent him down. So me and him met because uh, when Stetson did my interview, he was the photographer they sent down to shoot to come down to the ranch and, and shoot me. And so me and him talk uh like every like we talk regularly and he told me like and he just he was the one who started telling me like like you need to start getting paid for this like it's way too many brands that that really want to work with you he was like he was like you're like like the black cowboy right now that everybody wants to work with he like so you need to start start charging for it he like because you're just waste like you're just taking your time time and effort and he and then they started doing it where they'll have me because I'm a photographer too. They'll have me do my own photography and modeling. And so, and so at that point, he's like, you definitely need to start charging. And at first, like, I can understand why certain, why, why like someone who's just now getting into it would be scared to ask because because one of my biggest things was I didn't want to ask for money and then they stopped reaching out. And mm-hmm. so that was one of my biggest concerns whenever it, it always happened. was, what if I tell them, no, I need to get compensated for this. And then they just, they say, oh, well, we're not going to do it. And I've had some brands do that, but some brands are like, okay, they, they, they respect me enough to go, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll work out a deal with you. We'll compensate you in this way. And so but I think one of the biggest reasons why a lot of people don't do it is because they're too they're they're afraid that the brand won't reach out and then they won't never get another opportunity like that. And so and I think a lot of brands in the Western industry take advantage. I think a lot of brands, period, take advantage of that, mm-hmm. um, of that knowing that they can they can have a like a lot of people. And so I I agree one hundred percent that you just gotta stand your ground like with with the brands and and everything and and make your make your own brand like you said the the industries weren't reaching out to you so you made your own brand yeah. <laughs> and and now fancy lady cowgirl is a brand that people want to want to represent whether it's a model whether it's a lifestyle they want to represent the fancy lady cowgirl hashtag and mm-hmm. so speaking on that every single cowgirl i've talked to this week has spent 10 minutes of their podcast talking about Courtney every (laughs) every single one has been like just fangirling over you no matter who it was from verified accounts down to to like just the everyday ranch girl every single one of them are talking like like every single one of them puts you on their inspiration list so my question to you about that is well this is actually a question from one of the cowgirls that I'm about to ask do you see it? Do you see the impact that you're putting into the Western industry? Yeah, I I do. Um, it's one of those things that it's, I, I see it, but I don't know if I fully am able to comprehend it, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. 
yes, um, you know, I've got a very interactive sort of community on social media. I had my first Fancy Lady Cowgirl event in May of this year. And, you know, we sold out tickets in, in a matter of hours. And I was like freaking out that we weren't even going to sell 10 tickets. And um, yes, it's, I'm starting to see it more and more. And I think in my mind, I'm just doing Courtney. I'm just mm -hmm. talking about the things that I feel. And I think with Fancy Lady Cowgirl, one of the coolest realizations for me was that there are so many women and men who feel similarly, who sort of live both the urban and rural lifestyles, who sort of embrace being cowboy and cowgirl in their own way. And I have just had the most fun discovering all the kick-ass Fancy Lady Cowgirls that are just all across, you know, the world. I mean, I have people from Australia who are messaging me and the Canadians are huge fans and, you know, I'm shipping shirts to New Zealand and to Germany. And it's just like, what is happening? And so it's been really cool. And um, I think I really start to, to see it most when I'm like out at events. Um, I went to the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. I was one of their ambassadors earlier this year and my mom went with me and I'd been to NCBA before and it was like, we, 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 were, we were laughing because we're like, holy cow, we couldn't even sit down to eat like a burger at the hotel without five people coming up. Can we get a picture with you? And my mom thinks it's hilarious because she's like, you want a picture with her? Like what, you know? Um, but it's just, I love when people come up and they look me in the eye and they just say, you know, thank you. Because that's really when it starts to hit me like, whoa, mm -hmm. I'm, you know, I am making a difference. And my whole thing has just been, I, I want cowgirls and what they represent and what they stand for and the lifestyle that they, you know, some of them live. I have always wanted that to be represented on a mainstream level. I mean, don't forget, I worked in TV for 10 years and didn't talk about being a cowgirl or wear a cowboy hat because I didn't see anybody else on network television in a cowboy hat. Yes, there are the Western sports channels, but I was way, I didn't want to be on those. I wanted to be on the on the big networks. I wanted, you know, the shows on the streaming platforms. And, and that's always sort of been my goal. And so it, with Fancy Lady Cowgirl, you know, you see, we talked about it on our podcast, like you see Beyonce wearing a cowboy hat on the cover of Harper's Bazaar. So like, why not get another, like, why not get a cowgirl, another cowgirl on the cover, like a cowgirl who lives and works on a ranch or a cowgirl who, you know, lives and works in a city, but grew up on a ranch. Or why not get a cowgirl who's first generation on the cover of Vogue, Harper's Bazaar, you know, some of those magazines. I think that's always been my thing. I wanted to be, I wanted the cowgirl, to, I want the cowgirl to be recognized on a mainstream level. And yeah. People holler and shout, oh, you're, you know, well, they don't get it. People will never get it. That's not true. People are intrigued by this lifestyle. You know, this is a romanticized thing that a lot of people in the world only get to see in movies. You know, it's that there's a famous quote, and I don't exactly know how it goes, but like, you know, Europe had the Viking, Japan has the samurai, America has the cowboy. I mean, it's, mm -hmm. it's our iconic sort of figure and it's this iconic lifestyle and it's like why are we not seeing people like you and me featured in some of these mainstream publications and I think 
if we could start seeing more of people like you and I on a mainstream level, I think that the narrative surrounding agriculture, surrounding the Western community, surrounding the cowboy and the cowgirl, I think we would see that narrative begin to shift for the better. And so that's really just always sort of been my goal with like Fancy Lady Cowgirl, but now I've gotten off on a whole tangent. But to answer your question, yes, I do. Um, I do feel and see the impact. I feel like, you know, I mentioned to you like the Western brands don't reach out. I feel a little bit like I still sort of have that, that I don't fit in. I still am not fully fitting in the Western community. They're not, they're not fully celebrating what I'm doing. And the mainstream, they're not fully celebrating it yet. I think just because maybe they don't know it's there yet. Like it's coming. Yeah. I'm speaking it into fruition. Like it's coming. And so I'm still like sort of this in between, but you know, that's what Fancy Lady Cowgirl is. I couldn't find a community that accepted me fully for who I was. So I just created my own. And it has been yeah. the absolute utmost pleasure to discover that there are thousands of people who felt the same way, who were looking mm -hmm. for a community. And that's what Fancy Lady Cowgirl is. Yeah. I, I, and that's, that's one of the things that I loved about Fancy Lady Cowgirl whenever I, whenever I found it is, is like I, like I told you on my podcast, that's something that my grandma always said, if you can't find your, if you can't find a lane that, that fits yours, then you make your own lane. And so that's, that's just something that's always been big. And I, and I actually, like, I love that. And so my question, because you just stated something that every single cowgirl also stated um, that I've, that I've been talking to, and you brought out that you feel in between. So my next question is, do you consider yourself a cowgirl? And what would you define as a cowgirl? No, I absolutely consider myself a cowgirl. And to me, what I created, Fancy Lady Cowgirl is me. And what a Fancy Lady Cowgirl to me is, is somebody who embraces the lifestyle, right? I don't think you have to live it. I don't live on a ranch, I live in a major city. I think it's somebody who embraces and appreciates the lifestyle, the traditional cowgirl lifestyle who has the spirit of a cowgirl, right? So that grit, that tenacity, that drive, that, oh, I don't fit in here, fine. I'm gonna create a place I can fit in. To me, that's what a cowgirl is. And with Fancy Lady Cowgirl, what I've done is sort of said, everyone is welcome here, right? Like I had women who came to the Fancy Lady Cowgirl event who have never stepped foot on a ranch, who have probably never seen a horse in real life, but they're running businesses they're entrepreneurs they're gritty they're tough they went out and bought a pair of cowboy boots to come to the fancy lady cowgirl event they're embracing sort of that cowgirl spirit and that cowgirl lifestyle in their own way and to me that's what a cowgirl is you know to me a cowgirl is someone who is brassy and ballsy enough to say i'm gonna be me and i'm gonna be me in my own way because that's hard and you don't see that a lot. And, you know, I think that that's just what makes cowgirls so special. And I, um, you know, I did a podcast a few weeks ago with Chance Conrado, who is the host of the Gage podcast, just all the podcasts crossing. And, and, you know, he said something to me that I just thought was so cool. He said, you know what? He said, I think every person in the world should idolize and celebrate the cowgirl. He goes, there is nobody who works harder. There is nobody who is grittier and tougher. And 
there's nothing that a cowgirl can't do. And like he said, you look at women all around the world, women and men all around the world embody qualities of cowgirls and cowboys. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, for me, it's just this place that people can come and sort of celebrate it and learn about it as they go. Like there's nothing wrong with learning about what it means to be a cowgirl sort of as you go and as you step into it. So yes, to answer your question, I believe I'm absolutely a cowgirl. You know, when I was working in these major cities with, you know, crazy hours, executive producers screaming at me, you know, I'm exhausted, I'm tired, I'm trying to be successful in the television industry, I'm trying to do all the things that my agents are screaming at me. It was the cowgirl mentality that got me through. It was the cowgirl mentality that helped me be as successful in the TV industry as I have been. You know, it was that that no give that just never giving up that I think um, has really made me successful. So yeah, whether I'm in a city hosting a TV show or I'm riding a, you know, a horse across the pasture, like I'm cowgirl. Yeah. And I, I agree 100% with you. And so I want to ask you if you agree, because a couple of the cowgirls, well, actually most of them, um, they, they, they made a statement that right now is the best time to be cowgirl that right now the cowgirl is the most wanted wanted thing in the world right now and 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 i was and and i 100 percent agree with that i see it because like i i think about like post like like before COVID, like pre-covet it was um like the Instagram influencer was the girl in heels and, and things like that. The, and now the, like every brand has shifted to, they want the cowgirl, like every brand. And I'm thinking about every, like I've been talking to a lot of cowgirls recently um, and all of them are getting back from retreats that brands flew a bunch of cowgirls out to, to, to be there all of the cow, like if you look at a lot, like any brand, they're being represented by by the cowgirl. And so what would you say to that, to that comment of right now is one of the best times to be cowgirl? Yeah, I think it is. I mean, you're, you're seeing these cow, the cowgirl influences seeping into mainstream culture in a huge way. And it's not just Beyonce, you know, it's, you're seeing it on red carpets you're seeing cowboy boots and cowboy hats at New York Fashion Week, at London Fashion mm-hmm. Week, at Paris Fashion Week. You're seeing it on the streets of New York and London and Paris. You are seeing Ariana Grande on The Voice in a pink cowboy hat and like a cowgirl outfit. You know, it's starting to really mm-hmm. seep into these mainstream cultures, which I think is awesome because that gives us, the cowgirls who maybe grew up on a ranch or have a, you know, a different understanding of what it means to be cowgirl, that gives us an incredible opening to say, hey, let, let's talk about this. Like Beyonce, honey, you, you looked fabulous in that cowboy hat. Why don't you come out and spend a few days at the ranch? Like that gives us sort of this platform that we can start bridging that gap. Bridging yeah. that gap between urban and rural. And, you know, we, you and I have talked about it. People scream at me all the time on social media about Fancy Lady Cowgirl and, oh, Beyonce, she wouldn't know a ranch from a, she's a psycho. She hates the, she's the devil. She, whatever. Whoa, 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 whoa. My thing is that kind of exposure does nothing but elevate the cowgirl. 
Whether you like Beyonce, whether you like Ariana Grande, whether you think fashion is stupid, whatever that mainstream you know platform may be where you're seeing this, this cowgirl influence, at the end of the day, the conversation is starting. The conversation mm -hmm. is is being had across all platforms. I saw, I think it was Vogue maybe called it the Yeehaw Agenda. The Yeehaw Agenda is taking over mainstream, you know, pop culture, mm -hmm. fashion. And I think that just gives people like me and the other cowgirls that you've spoken to, it just, it just elevates our platform. And yeah. it gives us the, you know, the ability to invite people out, to have people come out to a rodeo, to let them touch a bucking bull, to let them ride a horse. Um, I think, I think it is. I think now is the time. And, you know, and it's a big, it's a, it's a big time for women in general too. You know, mm -hmm. this, this sort of women empowerment and equality is a, a big topic of conversation and like what better women to lead the conversation than cowgirls. And yeah. so, yeah, I think it absolutely is. Yeah. And, and I agree hundred percent. I was just, um, I was on a podcast, I was being interviewed and we were talking about um, how cowboy um, how like the cowboy, the cowgirl is like the coolest thing right now to the point where Adidas brand, who is a sports company, just made a whole Western line to, to bring light to, and I'm, and, and mind you, most cowboys probably won't go out and pick up the Adidas jumpsuit, but the people who do go and pick it up now, they need hats to wear. Now they need boots to yep. wear. And now because they have this on, okay, I don't want to be a fraud. So now I have to go over here and, and, and figure out about this horse. I got to go and go to ride some horses. I got to go and do something, something that's cowboy. I got to go to a rodeo, the, the next rodeo that's in town. And so yeah. I 100% like, and, and like me and you've talked about, like, it's a big picture thing when things like that happen. Yes, they probably should use a real cowgirl who put in the work to wear that hat. But as long as it's not harming the Western industry, I think that 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 it should be fine um, because it'll it'll progress it'll help us progress. Like I was just asked about um, the they, the way that they worded the question earlier was, how do you feel about like Beyonce and Lil Nas X wearing cowboy hats? And I, I personally, I told them they need to separate those two names first. <laughs> and so I was like, I was like, well, first Beyonce and Lil Nas X are, are two different things because I feel like Beyonce took the movement up. She made, she brought a lot of positive light to it versus I feel like Lil Nas X, he just did it for controversy. Like just like he, he, he just did it for like a lot of controversy. And I'm like, and then the, the, the main reason why I feel like that is because now, because he's now like like people like when that song came out and everything he became the face of the black cowboy and mm -hmm. so whenever i would show up places and everything like that's who people thought of whenever they see a black cowboy they think of old town road and little nas x and so and so i tell people it's a, I, while i see the big picture side i also see that it's a thin line but when that big picture side can harm the other side as well because then now the black cowboy is showing up to rodeos and everybody's thinking he's just uh, like I like I said I just was on a vodka commercial and they said they wanted a black cowboy and then I show up 
like I show up to the Zoom audition and they tell me they want me to two-step and wear gold chains. And so <laughs> that, because that's, because that's what's on, on like that's the narrative that's painted as, as the black cowboy because of the movement. So that's like, that's my point of view on, on it, that it, it can help or it can harm it. it. But we need to be able to dip, like, we need to be able to recognize which ones are helpful and which ones are harmful and not just push every, right, everyone every encounter off that a celebrity that a celebrity does because some like Beyonce's was like she didn't she wasn't trying to say that she was wanting to be the face of 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 agriculture or anything and no one's putting her as the face of agriculture but she's bringing a lot of light to the western industry and positive light to the western industry so I 100% agree with her um like with her doing it because I feel like she she ended up helping helping the cowgirls be noticed a lot more a lot more right now mm -hmm. and so then my next question is what struggles have you had as a cowgirl and the reason why I ask you that is because like I said every cowgirl that I talk to talks about Courtney so my question is what do you have to say to the to the ones that talk about Courtney because they think Courtney is just this perfect cowgirl that doesn't go through any struggles. Do you go through struggles still? And and what struggles have you struggled with being a cowgirl? Oh, absolutely. I always say like, my mess is what became my message. I had a, from college to, you know, four years ago, I'm a journalist, don't really do a lot of math, but you know, there was like a 10 year, 12 year period where it was a constant struggle because if I was seen or if I showed up in a cowboy hat or even cowboy boots, you know, not even necessarily a cowboy hat, but if I showed up looking like cowgirl Courtney, there was a part of me that was influenced into believing that I would be written off as small time, as uneducated, as, oh, she's a cute little cowgirl TV host. And so I struggled with that for a really, really long time. And I made the decision to get to get rid of the cowgirl side of me. Now, my family was still ranching and they were still doing things. And I was still sneaking off on the weekends to go to like cattle sales and, and rodeos and things, but I didn't talk about that side of my life. So I struggled with that for a really, really long time. And I always tell people, I finally realized I was living a half full life. Like, yes, I was working in on a, on a national morning news show based in the fifth largest market in the country. I had sort of done everything I wanted to do in TV, but there was a whole other side of me that was, was sort of missing. And I sort of got to the point where I was like, I can't do this anymore. I cannot live sort of this like half full life. I, I don't want to choose to be the fancy lady in the big city working at the TV show or the cowgirl. And that's really where fancy lady cowgirl was born. You know, I wanted to be both. And my agents in New York, the managers, the executive producers at TV shows, you know, everybody, the agriculture industry, they were all screaming and shouting, no, 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 you have to choose, you have to choose, you have to choose. And I just got to the point where I was like, I'm out. I'm not yeah. choosing. I want to be both. I want to be the fancy lady who works in TV and goes to Fashion Week and lives in New York and does all of the cool things that I've always wanted to do. But at the end of the day, I will always be a cowgirl. 
And so Fancy Lady Cowgirl was just me turning that mess, that, that 10 year struggle into a message. And that message was just that you can be both. You can do and be all of the things, whether society or culturally it's accepted. You know, Fancy Lady Cowgirl, I think was really intriguing to people in the beginning because it created this juxtaposition and it wasn't anything new to fancy lady cowgirls or cowboys who were living, you know, similar lifestyles. It wasn't anything new to us, but mm-hmm. it was just like, holy shit, nobody ever said, wait a minute. Yeah, cowgirls like to dress up and wear, you know, couture fashion and hang out in places like New York and travel the world and eat fancy dinners. But mm-hmm. they also can like brand calves and castrate and ride horses and and do all of the things. And I think it, I was sort of... Um, I don't want to say I was the first because I definitely wasn't, but I maybe was just the loudest person mm-hmm. who was just like, yeah, you can be both a fancy lady and a cowgirl. So no, I definitely struggle and I still struggle. I mean, I've brought it up multiple times on this podcast. Like I still wonder why are the Western brands, like, why don't they want to work with me? Why don't mm-hmm. they reach out? But I'm like you, I'm like, I'm going to just keep doing what I'm doing because when the time is right, the right brand is going to reach out, you know? Yeah. And it was that way in my TV career too. It sort of got to the point where you get to like a certain part, a certain level in television. And especially now they're not just hiring talent. Mm -hmm. Talent is no longer enough in television. They are hiring people who have built in brands because that's built in advertising and viewership for those shows. So I'm pitching myself, pitching myself. And, you know, my agent would come back and say, oh, they really loved you. They said you're a perfect on brand, but you need at least 500,000 followers for them to consider you. And it's like, what the heck? So because I don't have enough followers or a big enough brand. And so I finally just got to the point where I was like, you know what, fine. If I need a brand, I will create a brand. And lo and behold, the brand was simply just Courtney, fancy Mm -hmm. lady cowgirl. And, uh, you know, so that's been, and that's been cool. And they still don't get it. You know, I literally, before we got on this podcast was emailing with my agent in New York and He's like, what have you been doing? I'm like, well, you know, I'm getting ready for a, to, to deliver a keynote to 65,000 people in Indianapolis and I'm getting ready to host for 20 days for the, and he's like, what? And he, he literally, his words were, this is all so intriguing. And literally what I thought to myself is just you wait, cause I'm going to make you a lot of money. Even though you don't understand what I'm doing, I'm building something that you're going to come to me. Like you're going to start emailing me and rather than me emailing you, and maybe it won't be him. You know, maybe it will be a CAA or an Endeavor or, you know, whatever it is, but that's just really been my thing. I'm like, I'm going to create my, my own thing and and the right people and the right companies will want to be involved, but it's been a challenge. You know, it's, it's constantly a challenge. Like what's next? How do I evolve? How, what does the evolution of fancy lady cowgirl look like? So I don't know. I'm just riding the wave, but yes, I, I appreciate all the flattering things that people say about me, but just know it is not always glamorous and um, I'm just as lost and confused as the rest of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's one thing that I appreciated about um, something that Waylon said whenever I was uh, talking with her, uh, she, she mentioned that it's a lot of times that she show up places and, and they look at her and they write her off and she was like, and, one of her biggest things throughout her entire life is to instead of arguing that she can do the job that she instead of arguing that her idea is a good idea she says she just drops her hat and does it she them. and yeah, she said that them. and she said that that's never failed her 
she said, just showing, just, just showing them instead of like, if someone says, I can't like says that's a bad idea or someone says you can't do this. She said, as long as she have like a chance to show it, then she's, she's not going to say anything. She's going to stand there and say, okay, well, let me, let me show you, show you what this cowgirl can do. And yeah. that's one thing that I, that I, I love about like all of you guys, because every single cowgirl has that spirit. And that's, that's something that I feel like is a big quality of the cowgirl is that a cowgirl is always willing to show and prove and always willing to back up whatever, whatever they say, you can guarantee that cowgirl can back it up 10 times over. And yep. that's one thing that I, I really appreciate about the cowgirl and one thing that I think stands out. So then what would you say are the three main qualities a cowgirl should have? Ooh, the three main qualities that a cowgirl should have. I think integrity is a big one. You know, sort of staying true to yourself in that sense, like never jeopardizing your integrity to fill the needs of someone else or to sort of fit into a mold that someone else is trying to create for you. I think integrity is a big one. Um, you know, humility, I think is also a big one. It's, it's, it's like Waylon and Jenna Paulette and all of those women, you know, you have to be humble enough to sort of recognize that you're just a very small piece in a big picture. Mm -hmm. And I think without humbleness, yeah, you may have success in the short term, but I think long-term a cowgirl knows that she has to remain humble throughout mm -hmm. her life and throughout her career. Um, so integrity, you know, just being humble, and then, um, you know, grit. I like that word grit. Every time I think of a cowgirl, I think of the word grit that no matter how many times you get told no, no, how ma no matter how many people write you off, you know, no matter how many horses buck you off and drag you through the pen, right? You got to be gritty enough to get back up and just continue putting one foot in front of the other. So I think that those would, would be my three biggest qualities, I guess, that a cowgirl uh, embodies there are so many but I think those three are are the first three that come to mind yeah and and I 100% agree I think I think that's one one big thing about the cowgirl too is that if a cowgirl falls seven times she gets back up seven times and so yeah. that's that's uh that's definitely like in humility I I feel like every I feel like the cowboy and the cowgirl they all I feel like it I feel like all of that coincides with both with both sides of whether you're a cowboy or a cowgirl, you should have all of those things, especially uh, humility, because that's just that's just the cowboy way. The cowboy, um, like a, a person that's not humble isn't cowboy. <laughs> and no. so, and and that's a, and I try to tell people just because I I don't care if a guy wears a hat, has on a hat, has on boots, has a big buckle. If he doesn't have the qualities of a cowboy, I won't consider him a cowboy. And I don't care if he's been ranching for 50 years. If he doesn't have the qualities of a cowboy, I don't consider him a cowboy, no matter what, how big his outfit is, no matter how big um, he is in the ranching world. If he, if he's not, if he doesn't behave like a cowboy, then I, I personally don't, don't, don't consider him a cowboy. And that's something that I think, is really big with the Cowboys is that we hold each other accountable. Um, and I think that's what keeps the code 
that's what kept the, that that's what has kept the code for so long and that's why you still find that if you find a real cowboy you'll still find someone who respects their elders you'll still find someone who who holds the door you'll still find find people people like that within the western industry and that's just because a real cowboy holds everyone accountable and and that's one thing i also appreciate about it so then my question is do you have any advice for this generation of cowgirls or the next generation of cowgirls? Yeah, I think my biggest piece of advice would be from a lesson that I have learned in that you can try to fit into the molds and you can look the part and, you know, live in the right place and do all of the right things. But if you don't embrace who you are fully, whether it makes sense to people or not, you will never live a full life and take it from someone who for 10 years, you know, hid the cowgirl part of me and didn't talk about agriculture and was almost quite frankly, embarrassed by it, right? Because these outside influences and TV told me it was stupid. And I being naive and young and hungry to succeed, I sort of let myself believe that. And I think my biggest piece of advice would be just to be you. At the end of the day, when I think about where I've gone in my career, and I've had a lot of really great mentors, I have great family support, great friends who have always supported me at all costs. But at the end of the day, the only person who really has to believe in you is you. Because no matter how many times I got fired, and I've been fired many times, no matter how many shows got canceled. I've worked on many shows that have been canceled. No matter how many times I really didn't know how I was going to pay my rent or even buy groceries, I knew that as long as I believed in myself and I continued to believe in what I was doing and my mission, then that was all that mattered. Like for me, failure wasn't, I don't wanna say failure wasn't an option because I failed a lot but I just kept failing my way forward, right? For me, because I believed in myself, even at that first TV job in Nashville that I hated so much that I quit, to you know, TV jobs down the road where I just was miserable and they told me I would never go anywhere else, I would never make it to New York, you know, cowgirls were stupid, whatever. I never stopped believing in myself. And I would always just tell myself, well, this wasn't the right team. This wasn't the right show. This was just wasn't the right brand. This just wasn't the right person. And it all came back to, I just believed in myself. I still believe in myself. You know, I say things sort of offhand, like, well, when Vogue reaches out to me to do the first feature, and I know there are people who are probably like, first of all, why does she want to be in Vogue magazine? Second of all, <laughs> honey, they have no idea who you are. I fully crazy as it may be, it will happen. It's only a matter of time. It will happen. And I just believe in myself. You know, I just have always believed in myself. I always believed that I was talented. I always believed that I was good at what I, I did. I always believed that I was meant to be a storyteller. And no matter how many times people told me no or told me it wouldn't work, still to this day, my agent, he doesn't have a frigging clue what it is that I actually do. And he is representing me. He's pitching me to mainstream entities, right? And I'm just like doing all this fancy lady cowgirl stuff on the side, but I believe in what I'm doing. And I know at some point, it's that Waylon Lucas mentality. I will have shown enough people what it is that I'm doing 
that people like my agent and people from these big agencies in Hollywood and New York, they will come. But it's sort of like Waylon said, I have, to, I have to show them first who we are and what we do as cowgirls and cowboys. So I think my number one piece of advice would just be to never forget that the only person who has to believe in you is you. And it can be really hard. Not everyone has a great home life. Not everyone has great familial support. Not everyone has good friends. Some, of, some people are surrounded by terrible friends. Get rid of them. You have to believe in you. And I think that that's just, that's just my number one piece of advice. That's totally how I've gotten to where I've gotten. Even with Fancy Lady Cowgirl, I get messages on the daily. I mean, some of them are laughable. And then some of them are a little more like, you're a racist. This is culture. I had someone send me a message the other day and told me it was cultural appropriation, what I was doing. Those are very deep, heavy topics. Like I don't play with that stuff. But at the end of the day, I had to step back and I thought, okay, I'm not going to just blow these people off. I'm going to stop and I'm going to think about it. Nope. I still believe what I'm doing. I will push forward. It's not that you can't take criticism or advice from people. It's criticism's great as long as it's constructive criticism. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think there's a fine line between people who are like, ooh, I just want to see this crash and burn. And ooh, let me give you some constructive advice. Um, so yeah, you gotta believe in yourself at the end of the day though, because if you don't believe in yourself, you can't even take criticism. Mm-hmm. And, and also <clears throat> one thing, also one thing that I was always told about believing yourself is if I don't believe in myself, how can I expect for that person to believe in me? If oh, I don't even believe in, in myself, but if I don't believe in my product, how can I sell it to, the, yep. to someone else? And so yeah. I have to fully believe in my product to successfully promote my product, to successfully put get my product out there. And that's, that's I think that's one big difference between the successful person and the unsuccessful person is that the unsuccessful person, um, they, they just have a lack of belief in themselves. And so they, they take a lot of things that just don't fit them and everything because they don't believe that if they stand up for themselves, it'll, it'll better them in the long run. And so I, I 100% agree, agree with that. And so, um, my last question, since this is the week of the cowgirls, who are some of your favorite cowgirls on Instagram? And then what are your summer, some of your favorite cowgirl boutiques, brands, or accessories? Oh, these are hard questions. Some of my favorite cowgirls on Instagram. Um, well, I, I, I gravitate towards the ones that you've mentioned. And I think about my fancy lady cowgirl event. So I love Waylon Lucas. She was the keynote speaker at my fancy lady cowgirl event. And like, you want to talk about a straight up ass kicker, like someone who believed in herself and never slowed down to even consider the possibility that anyone else with outside opinions was right. I love Waylon Lucas. I think she's you know, super cool. And one of the things that attracts me to Wei Lin is she has this like cowgirl lifestyle, but she's also, you know, a food network host, a famous chef. I mean, she's one of the most celebrated chefs in Los Angeles. Yeah. Like she just has this really, really cool story. And what I love about Wei Lin is that she has this story of reaching the pinnacle of her career, right? Working with the most Mm -hmm. famous chefs in the world. I mean, hanging out with celebrities, like just this story that sounds so beautiful and cool and amazing. And I had her on my podcast months and months, maybe even a year ago. Mm -hmm. And she said, sometimes 
you reach your dream, and I'm paraphrasing, sometimes you reach your dream and you realize that what you thought was your dream, what you thought was the finale was only just an intermission. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you have to give that up in order to find true happiness. And that's what she's yeah. done. And I'm excited for them to listen to, to her podcast with you because she's just so cool. You mentioned yeah, when Jenna. When I was Paulette. talking to her, when yeah. I was talking to Wayland, when I was talking to Wayland, she said the same thing that she had she had the life and she left it all to to pursue she her did. western her yeah. western side. And so that was yeah, that was that was amazing. And she even so on her podcast, um, she even like teared up and started crying whenever she was she was talking to like giving advice to the cowgirls and everything because she was like she she was bringing up the same thing that sometimes you reach a certain level and you think that's that's where I want to be. And then you realize I actually want to be somewhere else. I actually want to be where I started, where I should have started and mm-hmm. and things like that. So I, I definitely agree with that. Then you mentioned Jenna. So let's go into that. Yeah, part. I, I love Jenna. Um, you know, the first time Jenna and I sort of met, I think maybe through Wei Lin on Instagram, none of us knew each other in real life. And so we became like Instagram friends. And then Jenna is actually from Texas. And so, gosh, I don't know, two years ago, she sends me a DM. It's like, hey, I'm going to be in town. You want to get together? And I'm like, yeah, I don't even know you, but sure, let's (laughs) do it. And we met at a wine bar. And I remember Jenna walked in in Spurs at this like fancy wine bar. And I was like, oh my God, she's one of me. Like she is my people. And, you know, Jenna has a really cool story too. Both of those women have such like fancy lady cowgirl stories, right? you know, recording music gets to the point where it's like, it's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. People don't understand this modern cowgirl thing that I'm trying to put out there. They don't understand what modern cowgirl like music looks like. And it, she got to this point where it was just like, it's just too late. It's not going to happen. And then boom, you look at her now. She's on sex and radio, got her first publishing deal, like just this cool. And I think both of those women goes back to my advice. They just kept believing in themselves. You know, yes, it was hard. Yes, it was messy. Yeah, you follow us on Instagram and it looks really cool, but let's not forget it's Instagram, right? Like there are plenty of weekends, you know, when my friends are out or my friends are flown to Mexico and they're doing fun things. And where's Courtney? She's sitting in this apartment, working, typing, Mm -hmm. you know, trying to figure out what her next move is. I mean, it's not, it's not always glamorous. And you know, both Jenna and Waylon are such testaments to just hard work and that cowgirl grittiness and just really that fancy lady cowgirl lifestyle, right? Because they're sort of bridging the gap and, and they're living both. And yeah, yeah so I personally love them knowing and- both of them, I can definitely vouch for every mm-hmm. everything you're saying. And and it's funny because I I was just in um Orange Grove roping. I was just in Orange Grove roping uh last weekend with uh with Joe Bach, which is Alan Bach, the four-time NFR um, champion son, I was up there roping and Jenna found out like after I left that I was there and she was like, dude, I was only like 20 minutes away from you oh, at that point. It. She was like, we, we should have like hung out or something. But yeah, that's like, that. that's definitely like, so when you just was like, she just like randomly like was like, hey, we should hang out, I'm in town. Like that's definitely yeah. Jenna for you. <laughs> Yeah. And that's, you know, that's very much, that's one of the things that makes the cowgirl and cowboy culture really cool because it's, you know, it's not weird to be like, Hey, I'm coming through town and to have someone you don't really know, be like, Hey, come stay at my family's place. Like stay at the ranch, you know, we'll make you dinner, like come hang out. And I think that's one thing that's, that's really cool. And that I yeah, like talking to, like talking to Taos Hayes, my very first time ever talking to him, we were on the phone for probably an hour 
And then by the end of the by the end of the phone, he's like, "You need to come out to my house. Like anytime you come over here, like you got a you got a room over here." And I was something like, "Anytime you come over here, you got a room over here, and yeah. you stop by like." And that's that's one hundred percent really big in the cowboy culture because I don't know any cowboy I've ever met, and I don't think I don't know if I've ever met anyone where we didn't offer our homes to each other by yeah. the end of our by the end of our first conversation. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely the the cowboy way. Um, as far as you know, I get this question a lot on Instagram. As far as what are my favorite like cowgirl boutiques, western boutiques? Um, all of my hats are Shorty's Cowboy Hattery, the uh, one of the first women owned and operated, you know, custom hatteries. I think the only custom hattery in the United States that's that's women owned and run. And I've known Shorty oh, for wow. years. Um, I've known her, you know, since I was in college. So all of my cowboy hats are always Shorty's Cowboy Hattery. And then other than that, I'm real big into mixing like mainstream sort of fashion in mm-hmm. to my wardrobe. And to be quite frank, like I live in Dallas, we don't have a whole lot of Western stores here. So a lot of what I wear is very, very mainstream, like mainstream fashion, you know, everything from like Zara to the occasional designer. I can't really afford designer, but sometimes they let me wear their stuff. Um, but I make it cowgirl, right? Like I always have on my shorties hat. I always have on a pair of boots. I've just always really been into not only high fashion. I love high fashion. I can't really afford high fashion, but I've always been into sort of making my looks very chic, very timeless, sort of minimal, that very high fashion, that New York European sort of vibe. Um, I just think that, you know, the New Yorkers, the Europeans, like the Parisians specifically have this just very like, you know, you see them and you just think, ooh, like so chic, so effortless. And so that's always sort of what I try to do. I try to combine that sort of chicness with like the cowgirl, I guess, lifestyle. And, you know, I don't, I don't wear the fancy clothes and stuff when I'm like working horses and working on the ranch. Cause that's one of the questions I get a lot too. Cause I do fat, you know, high photo sh- photo shoots with high fashion and people are like, Oh, I bet that's real practical on the ranch. I'm like, well, no, David, I'm not wearing a, a white <laughs> jumpsuit while I'm working on the ranch, but it's that juxtaposition, right? I'm just trying to show that, you know, cowgirls can be fancy ranchers can yeah. be fancy and vice versa. And you know, but I, sometimes people ask too, they'll be like, oh, we want to be a fancy lady cowgirl. We think it's so cool, but we're not very fancy. Well, that's not what it's about. You know, it, it, it's when it started, I think people thought, oh, this is like a fashion thing, which I love yeah. fashion. So it's always incorporated in my brand, but you don't need to be fancy to be a fancy lady cowgirl, right? You just need to embody those cowgirl qualities that we talked about. So yeah, yeah, I don't really have an answer. Shorty's Cowboy Hattery are, are where my hats are from. And then, man, I'll shop anywhere. Goodwill. Zara, the mall, wherever. Mm-hmm. Okay, perfect. Yeah, and I and it's it's funny because I can see it starting off and people thinking that it's a fashion thing, but I have yet to talk to anyone that brought up fashion. Yeah. Uh, that's brought up fashion when they talk that about you. And, and I've talked to everyone. Everyone I've talked to have brought you up, and not one of them have brought up like fashion and the and it. They all bring up everything that your movement does for them and has done for them i even had one girl almost cry talking about it and and she was like i hope she watches this podcast because she's literally she spent like five minutes talking to just you like she she forgot i was here and she was like courtney if you're listening and and she just started talking it was it's uh i I have to remember which one it was but uh, i'll send you her account whenever 
yeah, I, I'll send you her account because yeah, I have to remember which one it was because it was it was two that I did that day, and I'm trying to remember which one. But yeah. she had a whole conversation with you, <laughs> with funny. you on the podcast. But yeah, yeah and so. Or you can- I think the I think the fashion portion or the fashion piece of Fancy Lady Cowgirl, I think people are really starting like people now understand that the fashion is not it's not about the clothes. It's about, oh, she's just owning who she is. Like she is wearing that and she is owning that. So I'm going to own what I love and I'm going to wear what I want. And I think that, I think that that message is, is sort of um, starting to permeate, you know, the brand. But yeah, when it first started, I think people thought, oh, she's starting a fashion account. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, all right, Courtney, thank you for, for coming onto my podcast with me and talking with me for a little bit. Where can my podcast listeners find you, find your podcast? And and if they have any questions, just where can these cowgirls find you? Yeah, so my podcast is called Cowgirl Problems. It's available on all major podcasting platforms. You can follow me on Instagram and TikTok. I'm delving into the world of TikTok, uh, at Court Dehoff. And then uh, Facebook is just Courtney Dehoff TV. So that's where you can find me. But yeah, DM me, email me. I read every single one and I reply to every single one. All right. Perfect. Thank you for coming on to, onto the podcast, Courtney. Thanks for having me.